morning and welcome to today's podcast where we are talking with Jen Potter. Jen is a serial entrepreneur, founder of South Coast Mamas and Babies, Mamas and Babysitters, Mamas and House Cleaners, and she has overcome quite a bit. The physical challenge of having a heart condition, having a heart attack in her early 30s, and going on to run marathons and more. So let's listen to an inspirational story from Jen today. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast today. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Sure. Let's dive right in and get a little bit of your backstory. Maybe share with our listeners what led you to doing the work that you're doing today before we get into the details of your story. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about this previously. My past, it was very difficult. I grew up, my dad was a single dad after I think I was about the age of nine, but from zero to nine, I was very, you know, neglectful, abusive, dangerous. My mom was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And, you know, so the first, you know, decade of my life was awful. And I feel like it it set me up for one of two things. It could have been failure or it could have been success. And for me, I used it as my fuel to create all of the things that I have done thus far. So, you know, my journey has been pretty, pretty long and difficult, but here I am. Yeah. I wanted to get into your childhood a little bit because it is, I'm sure it played such a pivotal role and it looks like it did lead you to success, but could you maybe talk a little bit more about your childhood and how that affected you going into adulthood? Yeah, of course. So, you know, having a parent who is a drug addict and an alcoholic is difficult for any child. And then you couple in with, you know, the abusiveness and the neglect and, you know, she had cancer when we were growing up. So there was, there was a lot of things that kind of, you know, fed into that. My dad worked a lot, so he was never home. So he never saw it. I had younger siblings and my mom, you know, she did some really awful things, you know, broke my nose, shot me with a BB gun, you know, did there's awful, awful stories of things that she did. And in hindsight, you know, I, I look at my own kids and I can't even fathom, like I yell at my kids and they cry and I know how it feels inside. So it growing up, it kind of put like this, this barrier around me where it made me so empathetic to everybody around me and the people that were around me. And I knew that growing up, I wasn't alone, but I was really scared to always tell my story. And I was scared to talk about the things that happened to me as a child, but that as I started getting older and as I became a parent, I realized how important it was to actually have this story be told. And more recently over the past few years to really kind of bring it to light, because I know I'm not alone. And I know that it's continuing to happen, whether it happened 30, 40 years ago, or whether it happened a year ago, people are going through this constantly and need to know that they're not alone. Yeah, I think it's really important that you share your story. I agree. Um, what ultimately saved you from that situation? Was it your father who just my got dad. You out of it? Yeah. So my mom decided to leave my dad and that was probably, you know, the biggest blessing in disguise because my dad is so kind and compassionate and, you know, will do anything for anybody. So I think he chose to not see a lot of it as we were growing up because he wanted to see the positives in people. And I know that that's one of, I would like to say that that's one of the biggest things that I took away from that. I try to always see the positive in every negative situation, but sometimes, you know, seeing too much positivity in a negative situation can also be toxic. And I think for a long time, he saw that. 
And so he kind of put a blind eye towards it and just kept going. And then when my mom decided to leave my dad, it was like, okay, this is great. And she stuck around for a long time. I mean, the abuse kind of led through right to like high school. So until I was kind of old enough to protect myself and my siblings, it, it kind of always lingered around. And I didn't want, I didn't want to be around that anymore. Yeah. Now you managed to go to college and get a bachelor's degree. How did you do that when you were really set? You were set up for failure. And, and, you know, most people would say, I just never had a chance in this life. How did you, how did you move through that move past it? Well, I was really lucky in the sense of in high school, there were a lot of programs that helped, you know, kids who didn't really come from law or have a lot of money. So I was in this program called Upward Bound. And ironically, one of my companies is actually working with the sister company of that for the state now. So it's it's crazy how it all kind of comes around in full circle. But you know, this program allowed me to go and take classes in the summer. It allowed me to go live at the local university, like with other kids who didn't necessarily come from great areas and get more of an education to get tutored throughout the summer to make sure we had better grades. It gave us college credits. And so that program helped us. They even helped us to pay for like our applications to college. But, you know, even then, how are we going to pay for it? Right. So Going into college, I actually, um, I started off at the Art Institute of Boston. I thought I was going to be a photographer and I was going to be an artist because that's one of my favorite things to do as a pastime. And, you know, I, I went to school for a year and then I decided to move back home and I went to UMass, uh, one of the UMass uh, schools here. And I lasted about three more semesters and then I stopped taking classes because I felt like I was so burnt out and, you know, also, one of the things like growing up the way that I grew up, I had to work a lot. So I was working 40, 50 hours and I was in school and I was like 18, 19 years old. And so I felt like I wasn't living my life. So I kind of pulled back a little bit, kind of went through some, you know, situations, dated some people that were, you know, similar to my mom, because that's what we do, mm -hmm. right? Like that learning experience. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I realized what am I doing that I needed to kind of change things. So it took me till I was 30 to graduate college, but I did. Mm -hmm. So it took a, it took time. I went back a few times, but I got my bachelor's, graduated at the top of my class. And, you know, having the degree and being the first person in my entire family on both sides to have my degree is really, you know, it's really important to me even to this day. So, yeah. And certainly to inspire other, you know, young women who are probably going through this and may even be listening. Absolutely. There's always hope, right? There is. And there's no time stamp on it, right? Like we want to no, go to school. And no, no, no. when I first went, I mean, my degree is in exercise, health science and biology. I am a science nerd to a core. But when I started off, I was in art school. So, you know, if you're not passionate about doing something, there's nothing telling you that you have to go to school and you have to get the degree right away. But for me, it was that feeling I needed that accomplishment. I needed to achieve something in a next level. And I kid around with people all about this all the time. I want my PhD. And they're like, yeah. why you have all of these businesses? I'm like, because I can't, you know, yeah. so my ultimate goal in the next like 20 years is to get my PhD. Uh, I hope you get it. Yeah, I will. So another hurdle as if you didn't have enough, and then you have this, um, you have this great achievement, you're, you're set, you know, life's looking good and you're diagnosed with a heart condition. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I was actually diagnosed with my heart condition one semester before graduating and also pregnant with my daughter because I felt like my life, I, I felt like my life was on track, right? The year before I ran the Boston Marathon, 
super athletic and, you know, going to school for health and exercise. Like I eat the best I work out. Like I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm pregnant and I timed it out. Perfect. Right. So I was like, if I got pregnant here and it actually happened, I could make it all the way to the end of the semester pregnant and then have her and graduate. And it would be like, I, I planned out the whole thing and everything went wrong. And, you know, I, I was taking seven classes had to take seven incompletes, which was heartbreaking because I was yeah. actually, I had a, I had a 3.98 GPA oh my gosh. and I had to take seven incompletes, but I did still graduate with a 3.9. So at least I still graduated really high um, with my degree and in, in hindsight, it really doesn't matter. But to me, it was like that ultimate achievement. Right. And, um, but I was three or four weeks into the, sem- uh, three weeks into the semester. And I started experience like really bad chest pain and went to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack. They said, they were like, oh, it's just indigestion. It's part of, you know, being pregnant. And so they gave me all this medication and they sent me home and I got back home and I collapsed. And my husband rushed me back to the hospital, come to find out like my heart rate was like 180. They weren't sure if I was having a heart attack, come to find out I had um, fluid all around my heart and I was Mm -hmm. diagnosed with pericarditis. And I was in the hospital for weeks and it, it lasted a really long time. I ended up getting transferred to another, you know, specialty hospital so they could take care of me because I was pregnant with my daughter on all of this medication. We thought we were going to lose her. So it was really scary. She was actually five and a half weeks early. She was the biggest baby in the NICU and I blame it on prednisone. She was seven two, five oh, weeks wow. early. So yeah, I thought I was going to give birth to a like football player. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she's a, she's a big baby and she's healthy and thriving and super smart. So, you know, we're really grateful for that, but it was, it was this really scary moment in my life. And after I had her, you know, my weight topped out, I wasn't working out. I couldn't really work out. My cardiologist that I was going to at the time was like, you know, you're probably never going to run again because your resting heart rate is super high. Your blood pressure is super low. So that you have a lot of things fighting against you. So for about two years, I was kind of like in this really funk of, am I going to be able to get back to myself? Like I'm in my early thirties. This is really scary. And after I had my son, I was like a light switch. My my health was awful. I, I needed to really change things. And I got back into yoga and I started making myself feel a lot better. And then I decided to get a new cardiologist. And I told my cardiologist, I'm like, someday I'm going to run. Like, I'm going to run another marathon. And he's like, I'm here to support it. He goes, whatever you need from me. He goes, but just remember, like, you're not going to win a race, but, you know, but I'm here to support it. And now I'm running the Boston Marathon this coming April. So. Oh, my goodness. Now yeah. you actually had, did you have a heart attack in the midst of I all did. of this? Yep. So I had a heart attack in 2019. So my heart condition is something that will never go away. They thought it was a one-time occurrence. So some people that have pericarditis, um, it happens once in their lifetime. You get a hole in the sac of your pericardium. It repairs itself typically, and then it never goes away. I have a tear. Mm-hmm. And with the tear, it's kind of like ripping a baggie, right? Once you rip it, it never gets better. So my heart is always susceptible to infection. And I never know when it's going to happen. And I had a heart attack in 2019 while I was driving. And I tell everybody this, I do not recommend it at all. In my head, I was like, I have to keep driving to the hospital because if I stop, I'm going to die. And in hindsight, I was like, wow, I probably shouldn't have finished driving, but I was right next to a hospital. And I'm confident that's what saved my life because I was right there. Um, And, you know, thankfully it was a mild heart attack and I was able to recover pretty quickly from it. But 
I, my whole life changed. My whole life changed when that happened because it was like, okay, this is it. And in that moment, I also decided that I was going to have a third child because that just seemed like this is God telling me I need to have another kid. Right. So I had a third child. <laughs> so we have three now. And, you know, every day I am just so grateful to to be alive. And I think the way that I perceive things and the way that I do things or run my businesses or take care of my children are so different because of it. Yeah. How has that affected your athletic career? I mean, we'll talk a little bit about, um, and maybe just wrap that into, to the next question, which you managed to become an entrepreneur, you have these businesses. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? And if any of them actually revolve around athletics, if, if your heart condition has affected that? Yeah. So none of them revolve around that at all. It was funny when I started, when I got that new uh, cardiologist, I started doing Spartan races and, you know, doing things that didn't involve me running consistently. So it Mm -hmm. allowed me to kind of challenge my body in different ways. And it was through doing a lot of that. And I've done so many of them now, you know, through doing things like that and telling my body, I can do these things. When I decided that I wanted to start a business, it was, you know, I'm going to start a business because I can you know, Mm -hmm. we can do anything we put our mind to and I need to do it. And ironically, the day that I was going to my first business class, because I felt if I was going to start a business, I probably should go to a business class. And I enrolled in a local program that I mentor for. And I was driving there and that's the day I had my heart attack. And so for for me, like back then, I didn't really look at it as you know, that was kind of like a pivotal moment, but I had two choices. Like I could have stopped going to the business class. I could have stopped doing the things that I was doing. I could have changed my life drastically. Instead, I decided to just, you know, stay in the hospital for a few days and then go back to doing what I was doing. And that's kind of how I always live my life with my heart stuff. Like I was rushed out of my house here, uh, you know, two months ago in an ambulance and my kids, you know, they're so used to it, unfortunately. But for me, it's like, I go to the hospital, I, I rest for two days, I get back up and I go back to work. And Mm -hmm. I don't let it affect me. It just, my husband, I think the poor guy probably is going to develop a heart condition because I'm just like the energizer bunny. But for me, like, it's just this constant reminder of, I woke up this morning, go live your best life. There's no point in, you know, wallowing, you know? So it's really important to me to just keep doing all the things. And I think that's why I just keep doing that in business as well. Cause I can't. Do you think that your experience early on in your life, the fact that you had to become a survivor has influenced the way you are handling the heart condition instead of just giving up? Oh, absolutely. Because I didn't have a choice. And, you know, when I was younger, my, my reason for doing everything I did was my younger brothers. I had two little brothers who I needed to make sure that they were always safe and protected. And then I always had to make sure that they had someone to look up to. So for me, I was, I was the protector, you know, when my dad got remarried, like I had my stepmom and she was great, but it was, it wasn't the same. So for me, I I had to survive. I didn't have a choice. And so as I got older, I kind of, I kept with that same mentality of, I need to keep doing all of the things in order to survive, in order to achieve the next thing. And I was a really big, I'm still big on this. I love goal setting. So for me, I'm like, I set this huge goal that seems almost attainable. And I'm like, okay, how can I get to it? But then when I get to it, it's, I celebrate for a second, but then I'm like, all right, what am I going to do next? Like, what, what can I do to kind of just get to the next hurdle? And I think, I definitely think that's a a coping mechanism and, you know, that feeling of self-accomplishment because I don't need anybody else to kind of cheer me on. Yeah. Amazing. So tell us about your businesses. What kind of businesses do you have and run? So all of my businesses, I, they, they, 
kind of similar, but they're not. So I started my first business with an apparel company. Ironically, I'm actually wearing the shirt today. Um, So yeah, I started an inspirational apparel company to inspire women to be the best possible versions of themselves, you know, to be you. And it started with the B-E-Y-O-U beautiful collective of just being yourself and just really simple, like sayings that were about being yourself and being kind, but it wasn't for other people to read. It's to look in the mirror to remind yourself to be kind to yourself, to look in the mirror to remind yourself that you are beautiful. Cause it's that growing up with trauma, we're so used to that negativity that we don't tell ourselves those positive things. When I wake up in the morning, I tell myself that I'm beautiful. I tell myself I'm the best version of myself. I remind myself of all of those things. I don't need my husband or my kids or anybody else to tell me those things. Some people call it, you know, saying that I'm conceited. No, I'm very modest. I I care about myself and my self-health. And I think that that's really important. So I started the t-shirt company to teach myself how to run a business it was actually planned that I would start the t-shirt company to create my next business. And I already knew that I wanted to create a babysitting company. I started this community here in the South coast of mass uh, eight years ago now called South coast mamas and babies. And it was a group of, you know, women coming together with their children to kind of have play groups and get to know other women in the community. Cause I work so much that I didn't know how to socialize with people. So that was my real reason. And after the first time I had that group, I realized that my footprint here in the community and what moms needed, needed to change. They needed childcare, they needed interaction. And that didn't really exist here that much other than that big.com website that was just starting to boom. And so for me, I spent some, some time trying to figure out how that would look. So I decided to create a babysitting company and that took a lot of time and, uh, you know, it doesn't really exist. It's hard to get insurance. It's hard to get all the things. So it took a little while to kind of get it up off its feet. But I started the t-shirt company as the, you know, the parent company, like this mm-hmm. is going to be my seed money to start the company that I want to start. And the t-shirt company was very successful. I actually still, it's still here as more of passive income. I use it a lot for my speaking engagements or if somebody wants to collaborate and, or you can just buy it online through like Printly. So it's nice that I still have it, but I started the babysitting company, which started uh, February of 2020. We went on vacation and I was like, I'm going to start my company. And I came home and the whole world shut down. So for six months, I had to sit on my couch and re-strategize. I was also pregnant at the time. I always think my best ideas come when I was pregnant. Uh, so I, um, we restarted. We kind of re-strategized. We did a lot of stuff for frontline workers and first responders. And, you know, it wasn't just babysitting. It was nannying and agency. Like, so I created a nannying agency. So we were able to place babysitters and nannies in homes that didn't work directly for me. But, you know, I have a lot of people that do work directly for me. Over the past two years, I've hired over 500 people, which is insane to say out loud. And every time I say that number, I'm like, it's so crazy. But through that, we had um, cleaning. We offered cleaning services, like some of our our nannies would clean some of the houses and that started becoming like really popular. Everybody, like a lot of my clients are like, I really want cleaning. So we decided to separate it. And I said, all right, let me just, let me put a post out there. Let's separate the companies. One day I was like, we're just going to launch the cleaning company. It came out of nowhere. And I had a few professional cleaners that worked for me. And that day I I did the post, we got so inundated with responses that we, within eight weeks, I think we hired 12 people. So it was insane. And so we have the cleaning company. And if you would have asked me five years ago, if I would own a cleaning company, I'd tell you absolutely not. I love cleaning my house. I love cleaning. And um, that was probably the craziest 
company that I started because I had to learn how to be a house cleaner. So like, I know how to clean, but like expectations of people, like I learned something so different about people. And it was, that was a really great learning experience for me. And through that, after all of this, I decided to finally launch my consulting company. So as a woman who owns several businesses and who understands business, I understand everything about it. I decided I wanted to help other people with their business. And so I help other people, no matter where they are in business, kind of get their business going. And one of the biggest um, and newest things that I've been working on over the past year has been uh, venture building. So someone who has an idea, but doesn't know how to start, doesn't know how to be a business owner. I help them strategize, you know, from literally the ground up of how they can create their business. And I have this long-term goal of helping 47 people start businesses by 2047. Very nice. I love it. I love all of that. And I can, I can relate to um, the goals that you set that some might think are super lofty, but I think, I think it's all amazing. And I love that you were able to just keep going with the businesses. Why not just have all of them? Why not? Yeah, exactly. So one thing that I ask everyone along your journey up till now, what would you say has been your greatest challenge and on the flip side, your greatest joy? You know, it's funny when we talked about this beforehand, the first thing that came to mind was my children. And as much as I wanted to say something in business, I would say the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was be a parent, but it is the most rewarding thing in the entire world. Because as a mom who has gone through everything that I've gone through and I'm getting teary eyed, even just saying it. So I guess I must be a little sensitive. Um, I would have to say, you know, everything that I've gone through as a child, I am able to create a new journey for my own children that they will never see anything that I had to go through unless they read about it or hear about it through stories and just know that I'm giving them the best possible life ever because it's the hardest thing being a parent is so hard my kids are all so different you know one has ADHD the other one has Tourette's so and then I have a two-year-old so life is so challenging but they teach me how to be creative and they teach me how to balance my time and they teach me how to do all of these things I would have never thought I did when someone who has no kids comes to me and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm so busy. I'm like, I have four businesses, three kids, a husband and a dog, and I'm starting two more businesses in 2023. There's a way. Don't talk about, you know, productivity. So like, I definitely say my children, they, they keep me moving. Yeah. And, you know, you've really kind of broken the chains in the history of your family and, you know, moving forward, you stopped the abuse and the neglect. And that's such a challenge that, that many people don't meet. They just accept the circumstances of their environment yeah. of, of their birth and, and use it as an excuse. Right. And, yeah. It's, it's so easy. It's so, so easy. Yeah. And for me, that's really important. And who would so blame them? Yeah. It, it's easy, right? It's if I was to fall into those circumstances, everyone around me would just be like, oh, it's meant like this is what she came from. It's yeah. it was expected. And so now as I'm older, of family members that are a little bit more distant, they're like, we can't believe how you turned out. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, and I get offended sometimes because I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I'm doing all of these things. They're like, well, we just didn't expect that. And I'm like, well, what is this? You know, so I do, I do get slightly offended, but I, you know, I understand. But for me, it's teaching other people not to be a product of, of their environment. Yes. And that's my goal. My life goal is to teach people that no matter where you come from, whether it was your childhood or you're in an abusive relationship now, or you're in a situation that you just don't like and you don't want to be in, we choose to be where we are at every moment in our day. 
I get to go do all of these things. I allow myself to be in a certain situation. When we say I can't and I won't, and it like, you know, I hope things aren't going to happen. You get to manifest that shit. So yeah, that's important yeah. to me. I completely agree. I'm sitting here with my own vision boards and in my journals that I, write I repeat it. every day because you have to commit to things too. It's a commitment, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't just manifest itself. Absolutely. The last thing I wanted to ask you, I'm sure there will be women who want to connect for any one of the businesses, whether it's to get a t-shirt or to, to connect with you if they're in Boston as well. Uh, Where can we find you online? So if you look up Jen underscore live your best life on Instagram, you can find me there. You can send me an email at Jen at epic 47 epic 47.com. Shoot me an email, LinkedIn, Jennifer Potter, my mugshot is the same on all of my social media. So you can find me anywhere. Google Jennifer Potter, Boston. I pop right up and, you know, anyone who wants to have a conversation, I love having conversation and coffee. So perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I've certainly enjoyed talking to you and getting inspired by you on this rainy day here in Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.